I am EJ Lawless, your host here at HR Tech Go-To-Market Podcast, a podcast where we explore how different founders have approached going to market in HR tech and future of work. The goal is to help other founders in this market go and be successful raising, founding, and acquiring customers and scaling their companies within the HR tech and future of work space. So just would love to get a sense of what you're working on now. How would you describe Lasky? Yeah, Lasky is, uh, it's a talent platform. So what that means is, uh, I don't know how, how far you want me to go into this, but, you know, broadly, I think in talent, the way that I think about it is, um, you know, companies, companies have their own talent acquisition teams and their own, you know, recruiters in, internally. Um, and then if you look at all of the things that are designed to help uh, internal talent teams, right, you have these, these like three big bucket, buckets, there's probably more, but you have job boards. So you have companies like Indeed and, and LinkedIn and, um, you know, there's, there's billions of dollars in spend there, but, you know, LinkedIn and Indeed are, are sort of the duopoly, so to speak, that matter in the space. You have softwares, then you have this like massive long tail um, with a couple like kind of old school tech incumbents of uh, Oracle and IBM and those types of companies that are dominating the software spend with ATS and HRIS and all that good stuff. Um, and then the vast majority of the spend, at least in terms of revenue, comes from um, staffing and sort of traditional third-party recruiting firms. And um, when you look at the spectrum, what you tend to find are that job boards are uh, mostly high-margin, very good businesses, um, and that mostly recruiting firms and staffing firms are very high revenue, but not so good businesses, uh, and they're not really technology enabled. And so the the question that we're sort of asking Alaski is, um, what is in between an Indeed and a LinkedIn and a traditional recruiting agency? Um, and so happy to get into it, but sort of we, we believe very strongly in taking uh, somewhat traditional recruiting and then augmenting it with software. And trying to answer the question, like, can we go from taking a person who is working at a big staffing firm or a big recruiting firm like Deco or Ronstadt, or maybe an individual recruiter at those companies that is successful today, is matching or placing like one to three people per month? And can you make that 30 people per month or 50 people per month per recruiter um, by sort of doing things that are more software enabled? So. Um, that that's really it. I, I think that there's uh, there's a lot of different you know variants that we play around with to make it sound catchy, but um, I think that this is a underexplored space. Um, what happens when you sort of pair people with technology and do so in house versus trying to sell third parties software and then try to convince them to use it? Um, there's a lot of companies in other areas that are you know going deep on this, and I think that we are. Um, you know, one of a few companies that are very early in the recruiting space to see if we can, you know, make something like this work. That's great. That makes a lot of sense. And I agree with what you're saying and how you're talking about the job boards, which are high margin versus the large staffing firms. So with Lasky, who is your customer? Are you approaching the market as a staffing firm and then having better operating margin? Or are you selling the software to staffing firms? Yeah, so we're approaching the um, the end customer, which are generally executive teams or uh, internal talent acquisition teams of companies, and selling directly to them. Um, so we are playing around with two variants there. One is a platform model where we're selling directly into a talent acquisition team, 
And uh, we're selling right now basically a talent comparison view. So think of this as like a very curated short list of candidates um, where we actually set uh, an SLA with the talent acquisition team on exactly how many sort of pre-vetted, ready-to-interview candidates we're going to deliver each month for each role that they're hiring for. Um, so those SLAs de- depend on the role uh, and the seniority and the pay and whether the role is uh, co-located in an office or is, you know, if we can hire a remote. Um, and then the other model is sold. Uh, it's the exact same product, but we sell it like a traditional, um, you know, permanent placement or staffing service where we take a percentage of the candidates first year hire, or if it's a contractor, we take margin on, um, you know, the contractor's, uh, you know, time that they're billing to the company. Got it. Okay. So there's three different approaches here. Is that right? Uh, there's really two. I would say there's sort of the contingency fee and then there's the platform fee. Um, and there may be a third somewhere down the line, which is, which is half and half. Like, can you reduce um, the margin that you pay to a contingency recruiter by offsetting some of that cost with software? So in a world today where let's say we have customers that are paying $10,000 a month for the Lasky platform to get and sort of see... Uh, as many people as they want, and then they can hire as many of those people as they want, and they don't have to pay us a percentage of the first year salary on one side. And then on the other side, you pay nothing up front, but every time you hire somebody, you have to pay us 20%. Is there a world in the middle where, you know, maybe there's a few thousand dollars a month in spend and a 10% fee versus, you know, a traditional recruiter that's going to take, let's say, you know, 20 to 25% of the first year salary? Got it. Okay, that makes sense. And so with these two offerings, are you approaching the same end buyer within the talent team or are you identifying different people to go after? Uh, we are, I think it's, it's generally the same, uh, the same buyer. I think some of it is, is comfort level. So um, I would say in general, if we find a company that has successfully paired or worked with outside recruiters in the past, I think that those companies are generally a lot more comfortable to pay a flat fee um, and you know, uh, invest money upfront in exchange for when we hire. Now we're not spending you know tens of thousands of dollars per hire um, versus let's say an earlier stage company where the founder has done you know all of the recruiting herself, and there's some I think built-in skepticism uh, around the traditional recruiting industry and what the value add is actually going to be. And so in that case, it's like great, you know, we uh, we don't have to charge you anything upfront. Uh, if and when we help you hire somebody or you know find the right contractor for this role, then you pay us a sort of success fee or contingency fee based on uh, the, that outcome. Got it. Who is your target customer right now? Um, I guess in terms of profile, I, I think on average it's a call it like Series, you know, B, Series C company, something in there. Um, However, it spans right now, we have maybe 45 customers and they span from very early stage companies all the way up to several publicly traded companies. Um, in general, they're hiring for um, product and technology roles, but these roles right now range from, um, we have a publicly traded company where we'll help, we're helping them find their next CTO um, all the way down to, we have many startups that are using Lasky to tap into um, remote product and design and engineering pools of talent uh, as contractors that are, you know, overseas in Ukraine or Latin America um, or markets like that. Got it. Very cool. How did you get your first customers? We 
got our first customers by tapping our existing network for sure. Um, so probably of those 45, the first, you know, I'd say six out of the first 10 were customers that um, I had known for a while. Like maybe I had sold something to them at a previous company, but I think in most cases not. Um, in general, it, it feels like you know, if you if you spend even a few years in talent acquisition recruiting, you have all of the you know HR tech events and things like that. And just from knowing founders that were having recruiting and hiring uh, challenges in their business, um, those became you know some of our earliest customers who are all still with us today. Um, so yeah, a lot of it is just uh, kind of tapping into the the who you know. Um, I would say as it evolved, it became. Um, pretty content heavy, and I would expect it to be even more content heavy, like writing content about how to hire, um, putting things out there for the world to see about, you know, different playbooks and sort of processes. Um, I think that uh, people are, uh, buyers are seeking opinionated software these days or opinionated outcomes, which is like, I uh, I want somebody to tell me how to hire a CTO, or I want somebody to come in and tell me like how do I scale up my Latin American engineering team? What does that mean? Like how do I stay in compliance? And, and so if you can answer a lot of those questions with content, I, I don't think that the the medium particularly matters in, in these days because anybody you know nearly anybody could be a customer. And uh, you know we're talking about forty five uh, customers acquired in the, in the last couple months. Um, which is great, but also, you know, there, there's certainly a lot of work to do. So there's a ton of runway, I think, that we see with content and uh, and content marketing um, to kind of get people into Lasky from an inbound perspective and then convert them, um, probably using, you know, account managers and things like that um, in the beginning. And then um, we're, we're kind of actively working on some self-serve stuff to just push um, recruiters, talent acquisition teams, founders uh, directly into a place where they can tell us their requirements and then start seeing candidates um, and start seeing, you know, talent that matches those requirements um, without ever needing to talk to somebody on the team. How do you think about differentiation with the market? So a lot of what you're describing could work for a zip recruiter and could work for indeed. Are you approaching the talent teams that are already aware of these products or are you approaching talent teams that are not aware? and educating them about the market. How does that look for you? Yeah, I think um, I would say, I think all, almost all of our customers are using LinkedIn. Almost all of our customers are using Indeed. Um, it really becomes, it's a bandwidth issue. So at one of our large customers, they have 3,700 open recs right now. Um, they have an internal talent acquisition team of 12 people that are actively working on those recs. So it's just, it's purely a bandwidth yeah, issue. I think with increasingly in, in companies, um, you know, you're going to get a lot of candidates, hopefully from, from Indeed and hopefully from ZipRecruiter and from LinkedIn. The bandwidth that you have to actually vet those people and sort of do requirement matching um, is where we come in. So we're using uh, a sort of hybrid mix of technology and automation, whether that is um, surveys and forms and data that the candidates or the talent actually gives us, um, assessments, asynchronous video interviews, uh, things like that, that they're doing on the platform, mixed with, um, you know, for some roles, an actual in-house recruiting team of people that are doing, um, you know, a ton of interviews per week and actually then doing ideally one-to-many matching. So what we mean by that is, like taking a candidate who applies directly to Lasky 
and vetting them and figuring out exactly what they want in their next job. And ideally right now matching them to like five or six of the 45 possible opportunities, like customer opportunities that we can match them to. And hopefully that increases over time where really the model starts to flip a little bit on its head where, um, you know, and I think companies in the space like uh, Indeed and like Upwork on the contractor side have all played around with this. But I think, you know, fully executing on the vision that, um, you know, in this very candidate-centric, candidate-driven market that we want to connect um, opportunities to talent by having really the companies sort of apply to the talent. Um, I think that that is, uh, that is, you know, important in this, in this market, like the, the choice that a candidate has, especially, you know, we're focusing pretty heavily on technology roles. Um, and so flipping that and making the candidate the number one priority and helping them, uh, actually filter all of the different, you know, largely like inbound interview requests from different companies on our platform, um, is something where we see that there's, you know, there's huge, um, emotional attachment and there's there's a huge like navigation problem right now where you know you're getting all of these offers but it's hard to navigate the offers and so i think if we can provide some um, free services um, that are lower margin like in the beginning to candidates to help them kind of get over the line and sort of find the right opportunities um, you know we'll see how that scales but i think right now it's been um, a really powerful candidate experience where i think for Many of our candidates, it feels like they are working with sort of a traditional recruiting uh, firm, but our you know recruiters that we've hired three months ago are successfully doing twenty or thirty matches per month um, versus you know one or two where they came from at Adeco or Ronstadt or companies like that. Wow, that's really impressive. That is a huge amount of efficiency. And on the candidate side, we have a labor crunch. There have never really been enough technology workers, but that's exacerbated now. And there are tools that candidates have to help pick the best company, whether that's Glassdoor or Levels.FYI. How are you going about attracting candidates? Yep. So the two things that we see um, that that really work, um, you know, I think obviously there's the. I'll I'll get the. The first thing out of the way, which is we definitely have people that apply inbound. I have no idea early on in the first few months how scalable that is, you know, how much we will have to spend to acquire the type of um, you know, product and engineering and design talent that we want at scale. And so we, we sort of have said, like, look, there, there have been platforms that are similar to what we are doing, like Hired and like Vettery, who spent um, you know, huge amounts of money on ads in the early days to get talent to come inbound. Um, and could we do things that are a little bit more scalable? And especially in this, you know, labor crunch market, as you mentioned, um, how do we skip the inbound question for a while and focus more on how do you scale outbound to candidates? And mm-hmm. so, you know, one thing that you see with all of these recruiting firms is that they are, you know, constantly spamming candidates uh, over email or on. Um, you know, LinkedIn, in mail, trying to get you to say, hey, I have this opportunity, I have this opportunity. Um, and I think that it's annoying as a candidate. And in many cases, it's untargeted because the recruiter doesn't have a ton of data to work with. And so recruiters are super incentivized to go spam, you know, 500 people for a role that may or may not be a good fit. Um, but I think if you can, if you can do the targeting um, with more accuracy, so you can say like, 
we're going to sort of pre-vet uh, all of the skills that this role needs. And we're going to say that we're only going to pursue people that have you know, X number of years of React experience or whatever the case may be. Um, then we're able to just put automation behind that. And so when we talk to and when we interview people to hire them at Lasky who have come from big recruiting firms and you ask them what they do, I mean, it's very common right now in the market that successful recruiters are basically what you would call like full desk or 360 recruiters, right? So they are acquiring the company that they are going to work the recs for. In many cases, they're helping the company actually write the job descriptions and write the recs. And then they're going off and posting the jobs on Indeed and LinkedIn and ZipRecruiter and other places to try to get inbound traffic. And then in their spare time, they're sending outbound messages to you know everybody kind of shotgun approach to see if they can get some of those to convert. And then they're handling all of the initial screening. And then they're handling all of the initial present, you know, presentation of the talent to the client. So it's like these people are really expected to be marketers and salespeople and customer support representatives. And so I think if you if you look at what Vettery and hired, even though they had two very different outcomes and they um, they didn't get as far as they probably should have, and, and we can talk about why I think that is, but if you look at what they did really well, um, they segmented all of these roles and they got really good at sort of internal, uh, you know, in, kind of creating these verticals uh, like you would see in a, SaaS, in, a, in a SaaS company or like a more traditional technology business where you have a account management team and you have a marketing team and you have a demand team and you have a partnerships team and you have all of these things and you're taking that role of a recruiter where that recruiter is expected to do 15 jobs at Ronstadt. And you're actually segmenting it into 15 separate teams and making those teams all work really well together with technology. Um, and so for us, the, 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 you know, back to your question, I think the two things that we see that are hugely promising that um, it feels like are really um, you know, not being tapped properly in the market today. One is targeted outbound uh, and automation of that targeted outbound. And the second thing is referrals. So if you think about contingent recruiting, um, you get these massive fees at the end of the day, right? If we place a um, senior level engineer in this market, that is a $300,000 role and a traditional recruiter will take $60,000 um, you know, to place that person. Um, we are taking uh, 50 to 60% of those fees and paying them out to partners um, to get engineers to refer their friends to us as soon as they know that they're in the market, to get designers to say, hey, here are three top designers that I think might be you know, looking at new contractor or freelance positions. And so if and when we place those people that were referred, we pay out a giant, like 50% of our, of our revenue to referral partners. Um, and so really building a robust referral program, I think, is, is uh, super critical. And there's companies that have you know, kind of individually gone after this in the past to varying degrees of success. But I, I think if you have a friend or you have somebody that you know is in the market, um, the end you can vouch for them. Uh, it becomes this super powerful process where like at scale, I actually see us uh, paying an army of independent recruiters, like who are like moonlight independent recruiters, because we have the best referral program in the industry. Um, and we're able to pay out, you know, massive sums of money that kind of feels like, you know, our early partners, it kind of feels like the early days of, uh, of, of like being an Uber driver. It's like, you can probably make more money in the early days of, of Uber recruiting other Uber drivers than you can driving for Uber. Uh, and so those types of, uh, of like network effects and like um, incentivizing people to go out and do some of that, you know, initial hard work of bringing the talent onto our platform 
um, that is hugely valuable for us. And then sort of over time, we'll figure out, you know, additional things to do there. Um, one product that's coming soon is a tool that actually um, sits on uh, uh, kind of uses internal data from, from LinkedIn and Indeed and other sites. Um, and it allows uh, a team member um, to sort of submit top, you know, referral candidates uh, into Lasky. And then we do the work to actually reach out. And so a team of, let's say, you know, 50 or 60 people who are all on an engineering team and, and you know, that team is all looking for more engineers um, can give us some data and we can go off and see like who the mutual connections are, who, the, who are the top people that people, you know, have recommended on LinkedIn before um, and sort of use some of those tools to, um, you know, develop at least an initial hit list of people to then go after from an outbound perspective and say, hey, wouldn't it be nice to work with your, you know, old pal at this company that, you know, she's at and um, the company's amazing and kind of here's why. Um, and so there's a bunch of stuff that you can do if you kind of go down that referral rabbit hole. But it seems like broadly referrals are really um, underutilized and undertapped, especially in traditional recruiting, where, again, a recruiter is just expected to do 50 things. And so, you know, you know, setting up a really robust referral program is always kind of the 51st most important thing. And none of these kind of large staffing or recruiting firms have ever um, really cracked this uh, this this, um, you know, referral angle. Yeah, th- there's a lot of interesting things you just said there. I think the referral component is really interesting, but I, I realize you're also tackling some ambitious problems. You talk about hired and vetery. Indeed, obviously had a product in this area that didn't work. I want to dive into that a little bit, but I also want to talk about your experience with interview.com because you've been in the HR industry for a little bit of time now. This is not your first experience. Would you just give a, a little bit of an overview of your interviewed story, how yeah, you course. approach the market, how you got your customers, and then maybe we could talk a little bit about Indeed and then kind of come back to everything. Is that a work? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I would describe our current company, Lasky, as um, very thoughtful, I guess. like uh, we, we thought a lot about the market and we thought a lot about how we would get our first customers and we thought about the value proposition we thought a lot about pricing and i would say we still you know we're very early so we still try to be very thoughtful about all of those things interviewed for better or for worse was sort of you know sort of the opposite and i think that um classically you know there's there's danger in your second company or third company or whatever of like overthinking things it's like oh man i have to get it right this time or i have to get it perfect or i want to take all the lessons that i've learned and really nail it this time um interviewed came out of a hackathon where uh, Darren Nix, Daniel O'Shea, and I were all working together as uh, early employees at a uh, venture-backed startup that had kind of gone through a seed and then a Series A and then a Series B and raised a ton of money very quickly and was was doing great. Um, but again, it was in the commercial real estate space. So none of us came from a, a TA background or a recruiting background. And uh, yeah, so Daniel and Darren uh, entered a hackathon together um, in early 2015 um, we all did the hackathon, and originally the hackathon idea was going to be a um, sort of like uh, Bluetooth-enabled like blinds app, where, where it would like literally sync to um, a device that we would attach to like a set of window blinds, and it would like manually open and close your window blinds from your phone, and like it was going to be this hardware thing. And uh, and then like very last second, we decided, eh, actually. Um, let's kind of take this thing that we've been building internally at our company in Google Docs. Um, uh, and that was this like series of exercises that we were giving entry-level customer support reps and entry-level sales reps to determine 
if they would be a good fit to work at our startup, which was called 42 Floors. And so around this time in early 2015, um, you definitely had things like HackerRank. Um, and I think uh, Caliber was another one. Like you, you had some of these um, you know, companies that were founded in sort of the 2011 to 2014 era that were starting to like really pick up you know, in terms of traction. And really, these companies were focused on how do you assess the skills of some you know, technical developer um, for the most part. Some of them were doing design, but most of them were pretty limited to development. Um, and so we were doing these sort of case study style interviews <clears throat> internally. And I think as, as, as we later discovered, um, a lot of startups, a lot of big companies uh, alike are doing these case study style interviews, but they're all managed in like Google Sheets or Google Docs or Excel or something like that. And the gist is that if you're hiring for a role, um, you know, one of the most predictive ways that you can hire is by giving a candidate a work sample and then seeing how they do on that work sample and then presenting the results to a team. And so uh, we pivoted, and, and this was actually not me, this was full credit to, to Darren and Daniel. They pivoted the idea very last second and said, screw it, let's like do this talent thing because I think we can make like a software play and it'll be just easier to implement because it's only a two-day hackathon. So we do the hackathon. We build like a very basic MVP over the weekend. On Sunday, we go and present, and the judges were like Jason Calacanis and Cyan Bannister at the time was at Founders Fund, and like this whole kind of great group of VCs and angels um, ended up winning the hackathon. And the prize was $150,000. And so Jason Calacanis is on stage. Oh, congratulations, hands Darren, I think, like the big paper check, you know, $150,000. And then afterwards, there's this dinner and he's like, cool, we'll just like, we'll get your wire details, like tell us where you can wire the money. And it's like Sunday night and, you know, we're all still employees at this other company and like we don't have a, you know, C-Corp set up. We have never talked about building this as a company. Um, so very rapidly, like the whole thing just kind of evolved. Um, Jason Friedman, who is the CEO of that real estate startup, um, uh, was super supportive and was like, you guys all want to be founders. That's very obvious. Like, go off and do it. You have my blessing. Uh, so it was very, very overly kind of him. He actually became like an investor and an advisor to us and interviewed. And really, it was it, that's what we ran with. It was um, how do you take what Hacker Inc was doing for technical assessment and then apply it to more entry level, non technical roles. And so we built a mix of you know video interviewing tools, um, you know multiple choice tests, Likert scales. Uh, open-ended work samples. Uh, we started to do some pretty interesting stuff with like um, machine learning that would actually like sync into uh, Google Sheets and would sort of uh, we we could get like programmatic outputs um, using Google's API to like have a financial analyst like you know evaluate an income statement and then input like actually in cell you know C4 like what the answer should be and then that would hit the API. And we could like automatically score that uh, to, to, to determine like whether the answer was correct. So um, we were starting to do some kind of interesting things there. Um, and what we realized is that we got really tangled, I would say, early on in this whole like ATS world. It's like nobody wants, and I think this is one of the dangers of talent acquisition software. It's like nobody wants yet another standalone thing. And so I would say we had, although we had these like massive ambitions in our first year, like the first year was building, I think, 12 or 13 ATS integrations effectively. Like there's, there's, it felt like zero work was actually being done on this mission to like make assessments. It was all like integrating with Taleo and stuff like that. Um, and so that was, that was pretty rough, but we eventually hit our stride. 
Um, you know, we, we quickly got to uh, almost $3 million in ARR in year two. Um, and then when we were going out for the Series A, uh, one of the big challenges was, I think, because this all happened so fast, you know, we each kind of accidentally picked this idea and picked this market. You know, as it turns out, like the talent assessment market is pretty small. So I think we, you know, our team, a really small team of 11 people made incredible progress in two years getting this thing to 3 million in ARR. But I think we could already see the the ceiling, uh, you know, at, at this business without doing something drastic. And so uh, long story short, Indeed was an investor, then they became a customer. And then they sort of, you know, the corp dev team said, hey, would, would you guys like to join us? And I think one of the things that we were just really unable to figure out, like, how does this scale, um, was the, the ATS side of this business. And luckily, Indeed had this hiring platform where it's basically the biggest ATS, you know, kind of independent ATS in the world. They had millions of small businesses sort of logging into their, you know, hiring platform to, to sort of make candidate um, evaluations. And so we said, hey, if we plug this existing assessments tech into Indeed, it becomes a lot more powerful in helping employers determine, you know, who's actually the right fit for the job. Um, so in kind of mid 2017, after running for two and a half years, um, we were acquired by Indeed. Uh, and then the whole team spent the first year taking the team from 11 people to, uh, I think, like 150 people on the assessments team and kind of rebranded the whole product as Indeed Assessments, got it integrated with Indeed. Um, and then, you know, spent three years at uh, Indeed sort of jumping around and working on various projects that uh, that uh, could use some extra product help uh, effectively. Yeah, that's a great story. I definitely had not heard all of those parts. I had no idea it was a weekend hackathon project. I think yeah, all of yeah. my startup <laughs> ideas were attempting to think out things for months and months ahead of time before actually doing it. But that's that's great. We'd love to get yeah, your take. And the, uh, the, oh, the, the, the actual story there is I think we, we were like going to be like a I don't think we were actually going to go off and build the blinds company, but we were very obsessed with this idea of like building an online property management tool. So we have like all these wireframes and stuff and we weren't in any particular rush, but it was like, when we start a company, we're going to start like an online property management thing. So yeah, it, uh, it evolved or devolved, however you want to look at it very quickly into the, uh, into the recruiting space. Nice. And the, the ATS challenge you mentioned is absolutely something I see. There's a number of companies that are trying to solve this. I think Newcraft and Finch are some that have seen it. Were you trying to get customers from ATSs or just really overcome customer objections so they would use us, use you? Um, yeah, you know, it, it was a mix of both. Um, I think, you know, shout out to uh, shout out to Greenhouse, like in 2015, 2016, they sent us an incredible number of uh, of uh, customers. And, and I think ultimately, um, what I saw, and I, I think one of the challenges of now doing some some investing in the space when it comes to these small, you know, HR tech startups, and I think, you know, Lasky, at some point will have, you know, maybe similar challenges, but we actually picked a space where I think we don't need to integrate with ATS, which is good. But one of the challenges with ATS is like Greenhouse sent us a ton of ton of uh, customers. But I think like uh, from a thesis perspective, I can imagine that this is only because, not because Interviewed was amazing or because we integrated particularly well with Greenhouse. I think um, it is because Greenhouse around 2016 um, was spending an incredible amount of money on their partnership ecosystem. 
and interviewed just happened to be, I think for a brief period of time, like the only name or one of two names that showed up, like it was like us in higher view or us and, um, you know, some kind of similar like video interview company. Like they had a category that was talent assessment or candidate assessment tools. And it was like well, us and one other company. And so for a brief period of time, Greenhouse was, you know, absolutely off to the races by 2016. So they had a ton of customers. And when those customers went to their, you know, partnership ecosystem, they saw us and one other company. So we looked more legit than we were. We probably had eight customers at that point. Um, and so Greenhouse helped us get like 25 more. And then what you saw is like, I think we were one of 30 original companies to be in that partnership ecosystem. And I think, um, you know, I looked at it actually uh, a while ago, it was maybe a year ago. I mean, now there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And so even within assessment, you know, just on Greenhouse, which is one of, you know, you probably know better than I do, but one of 400 ATSs or whatever, um, like there's 70 assessment products. And so, you know, the challenge with these integrations, if you're relying on the integration to get you customers, is how in the world do you stand out? And I think that there are definitely ways to do that. But as a small business, it's really tough. So the answer is we got some good customers from a few ATSs. I think Lever sent us some, Workable maybe, Jazz, um, Greenhouse, some of the more kind of small business, small, medium business friendly ones. Um, the opposite was true. I mean, you know, for, for all the big ones, uh, Workday was an investor. And we started effectively integrating with Workday in 2015. And I think when we sold in 2017, the integration was not done and they were on our cap table. So um, it's just a slow process and it's a grind. And like it, it totally prevents you from getting high quality customers or big customers at least because not having a Taleo, you know, silver integration is a deal breaker. Not having the Workday integration is a deal breaker for a lot of companies. And so one of the challenges of scale is you have to have the integration, but in a lot of cases, to get the integration, the integration partners are so far behind on these integrations, like internally at Oracle and SAP and Workday and these companies. It's like, yeah, if you bring us like four customers that are shared, um, then we'll do the integration. Well, it's like, how do you get the customers in the first place without the integration? So I always found it to be this kind of crazy chicken or egg um, where really all of the enterprise customers that we got. IBM and Fidelity Investments and Wells Fargo at interview. Like these companies used us because they had forward thinking enough talent acquisition teams who understood like this chicken and egg problem and they sort of helped us create workarounds. But um, it's a super tough space to navigate. It's like you, it, it definitely prevents you from getting deals if you don't have the integrations. And um, that's outside of just like the cost that it takes. I mean, I think. Like seriously, one reason that I would recommend, if if possible, to a a new talent acquisition company to raise a, you know, three million dollar seed round versus a two million dollar seed round, is there's a lot of companies that are going to spend a million dollars in the first two years doing integrations just on like That's engineering great, time. It's a great insight. Yeah, yeah. Were there things that you picked up at Indeed that you think are useful at the scale you're at now? Were, were there any sort of like go-to-market, reaching customer lessons that are actually useful outside of Indeed? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a ton. I think um, there's definitely crossover from, you know, I think big companies can learn a lot from small companies and small companies can learn a lot from big companies. And so um, one thing that I was always really impressed with at Indeed that I think Indeed does uniquely well 
Um, it doesn't always feel like it, but um, I think like executive level organization is done really, really well. Um, and what I mean by that is like working on individual product teams um, can feel really chaotic because you have like program management and you have customer support and you have, you know, I was on the enterprise side. So you had national account management, you had um, all these teams that were like selling into different businesses directly and teams that were selling into staffing agencies. And you had all these engineering teams. And then you had all these like layers of engineering teams right around like search quality and aggregation. And then you have like the partnership side on the ATS. So it felt very chaotic. Um, but interestingly, like from a, a you know top down or bottoms up approach, however you want to think about it, like information was actually disseminated, I think quite well. Like it felt like um, you know, somebody who's on the executive team could meet with the enterprise group. And despite like at my level and probably many levels above and below, it was chaotic. Like Chris Himes, the CEO of Indeed could come into a room and not only have like a pretty good pulse from the way that I think we were reporting information internally um, to say like, okay, I've, I've met with 14 other teams today and you're my 15th meeting. But um, because we're using semi-structured ways to like, you know, set OKRs and track OKRs and track information and look at like week over week or month over month changes. It felt like I think we were just like really good at like measuring and reporting stuff internally. Um, and I think that that's, that's all like really hard to do as a startup. And so I interviewed like, you know, I guess I like, I don't really remember setting goals or like measuring anything. Like I think, I think we got, you know, we got lucky some months and we didn't get so lucky other months. And so um, I think just this habit of setting goals and tracking them and measuring against them and having like everybody participate in setting the goals. Like um, this felt like something that indeed is, uh, you know, I, I think especially if you look at other big companies, again, it doesn't always feel like it when you're on the inside, but um, it, it does feel like, you know, looking back, I think that especially for, you know, now what, 11 or 12,000 employees, like that is like an amazing feat to pull off across multiple, very complex lines of business. So that's one thing. Um, I think, uh, and then I think like the rigor around hiring, uh, is really good at Indeed. Um, uh, the hiring process was very rigorous. People used challenges, people used case study style interviews to hire. Um, and so it always felt like there was a very high bar to, to just like make hires happen, which can, again, can be frustrating if you're in the like, uh, oh shit, I just need people on my team and we're drowning and we have a million things to do. And it's really hard to hire here. Um, but again, I think the recruiting team gives a lot of power to individual hiring managers. And then if you're a hiring manager or an interviewer, um, there's a pretty high bar to clear. And I think that that, that, um, continues certainly all the way through to like promotions and stuff like that. Like I was constantly, you know, frustrated with the promotion process, but I think, um, at the end of the day, it's, it's a rigorous process and like, you're not always going to get the people promoted who you want to promote. Um, but that's real life. And I, and I think that startups probably, they tend to overhire. They tend to drop their bar really fast because they just need like stuff needs to get done, and they need you know people in seats, so to speak. And I think that they also, in many cases, like there's this war around titles and promotion and like making everybody a VP and stuff like that. And so um, they tend to give people like exorbitant titles really quickly, which I think can really screw things up. You know, around like the Series B when you actually need to hire a VP of marketing or VP of product and. Um, you know, 30 of the 50 people that work at your company are VPs. And then you have some like really hard conversations and really, um, you know, difficult things, which I've, I've definitely been through before at startups. 
Got that. That makes sense. So as it comes to HR tech and growing your company, as you've gone from interview to Indeed and now Lasky, are there one or two lessons that stick with you or that you use to guide what you're doing? Um, this is on the go-to-market side specifically. Yeah, probably. But I mean, if you want to talk about other yeah. areas, feel free. Um, yeah, I guess I'm... The, the two areas and, where know, I've spent... It could be like avoid ATSs if you can, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have a product <laughs> yeah. that has to integrate with an ATS, raise a lot more money. That's it. That's a good one. Uh, I mean, I, I mentioned that before, but that's probably good. Um, yeah, so I think on the on the go-to-market side, um, you know, people that work in talent acquisition, it's um, in general, what I find is that there's this, it, it's kind of like being a lawyer, right? Like you, uh, I wanted to be a lawyer at one point, And I think it was just because you see like the, uh, you see the, you know, the television shows and you're arguing in front of court and whatever. And then like, I took some pre-law classes and it's just all like reading and highlighting textbooks and stuff. And you're like, oh, this is very different than I thought. Um, I think across these three companies, I spent a lot of time with people in talent acquisition and recruiting. And um, I think that, that it's kind of the same thing. Like people get into recruiting in general um, because they love talking to people. They love working with people. They love the feeling of helping people like get connected to their dream job. That's a super rewarding feeling to like get an offer and get it signed and then have the candidate like send you a text being like, this is amazing. Like I'm, I'm so happy with this offer. This is going to be the perfect place to work. Like that's the dream. And I think in reality, um, and and I think this is another area where I was, I loved working in product at indeed because I think, um, I was able to spend a ton of time like in different clients' offices, just sitting with their talent acquisition team and also sitting with our own talent acquisition team. That's the dream, which is like, I'm on interviews all day long and I'm like helping hiring managers negotiate offers and I'm, I'm like giving candidates good news. And I think, you know, <laughs> increasingly at many companies, that's like, you know, 10, 20, 30% of the role. Um, and a lot of the role is just like, uh, administrative stuff, or it's actually like sales, right? It's like outbounding candidates and like having to reach out to them with cold, you know, emails, or it's, you know, navigating, like, how do you write a good job description? Or it's like, uh, getting stuck in, um, Taleo and, and, you know, you're all mixed up in all this like administrative stuff, or you're just in like a million internal meetings about comp bands and stuff like this. And so, um, I think from a go-to-market perspective, one thing that just like consistently resonated is if you can help a talent acquisition team remove administrative burden, uh, it's the same effect of saying like, you got into this role for a reason, which is not to be like messing around in your ATS all day long and is not to be like reviewing comp bands or what, you know, maybe some people got into it for those reasons. But it's like, if you have a tool that automates the setting of comp bands and then helps you visualize it so that you can go from having five meetings a month about, you know, compensation bands to one meeting, then you can spend more time with people, more time giving offers, more time reviewing resumes, more time on the phone with candidates. Like that just consistently resonates. And so I think it's about like, for me, it's always about thinking about your product and who the buyer is, whether that's a hiring manager or a recruiter um, or, you know, somebody on the executive team, 
and figuring out like, how do you give people the time back? Like, I think everybody loves spending time with great candidates. We all would like to be doing more of that. There's nothing worse than like jumping on a 30 minute phone screen and five seconds in, you're like, I can tell that this is not going to be a good fit. And now I have to sit here for 29 and a half more minutes. Um, and this happens all the time. It's a bad experience for candidates too, because candidates find the same thing where they jump on with a hiring manager and it's like, oh no, this is not what I thought. And so, you know, giving more visibility into what candidates are getting themselves into, giving more information to recruiters up front that empowers them to know, like, is this going to be a good call? Like, if I can go from a 0% understanding of whether this candidate's going to be great to 20%, that's a huge lift because all of a sudden I'm doing 20% fewer bad screening calls. Uh, and so I, I, I think about go to market that way. Like, um, this is just something that I think everything that I've worked on, interviewed and indeed in Lasky in the TA space, like we have to sort of make that promise to talent acquisition people or they're not going to you know, use our products. They're not going to give us the time of day. That's a great insight. I can also see that as a great video ad, sort of get back yeah. to what you want to do. Uh, totally. That's perfect. Yep. Um, I had some other questions, but I think that's probably a good way to end it. Uh, and so I'll probably stop pausing.